you bad, beautiful bitches. You, it is Wednesday morning. Look, I'm not a big reader, but we have our first author of the show. Okay, Killian Dunn, author of Death by a Million Paper Cuts. Let's get into it, shall we? Let's get into it. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming. Our first Irishman as well. Okay, yeah. this is big. This it's a, is it's a pleasure. Yeah, that, where yeah. In, where in Ireland are you from? I am from Dublin. Dublin. Yeah. That is, uh, there is an old joke. Uh, you must be from Ireland because my penis be Dublin, I believe. <laughs> is the, uh, <laughs> just to make everyone super uncomfortable <laughs> in the room. <laughs> thank you so much for coming in, man. Yeah, this thank is going to be great. You're, I'm a big, we were saying this off air, I'm a big accent guy. You might as well address this out of the gate because I'm going to be, it's an itch I got to scratch early on. Okay. Your accent. The Irish accent this time of year is beautiful, huh? Yep. I mean, that is, why don't we just, you, well, rapid fire, don't even think about it, just repeat after me, school. School. 33. 33. <sighs> cool. Cool. School again. School. 33. 33. That's unbelievable. <laughs> the 33 really just, one more time with the 33? 33. That is, I love it. <laughs> that is incredible. That is unbelievable. All right, so. We'll get into the book first. I know you have a couple different ventures going, yep. but the book, from what I've heard, based on a true story, right? Yep. And what? When were you like? Okay, tell us a little bit about the story, but then also tell us a little bit about how how did you get into the writing processes? Like, did you know you wanted to be an author always, or? Yeah. So uh, first of all, um, this is like I call this like my first like real real book, yep. but I've written three books. Really, um, I wrote two before this. My second book is currently being published with like a publisher in Alabama. Wow! Uh, so it's like a little bit out there. It's like kind of weird, but it's it that's gonna be released or like re-released this summer. Yep. Uh, but Paper Cuts was definitely my first like actual um, I guess like feat as an author. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, to put it like. Simply, it's the first thing that I've done that's like actually good. Yeah. Uh, but basically, the story is um, this woman I was put in touch with. Uh, she was married to the headmaster of a very prestigious boarding school for mm -hmm. like 30 years. And one day, the FBI came knocking on her door and they told her that her husband is being accused of sexual assault by five former students. So they asked her to work with them, to work with the FBI against her husband without him knowing so where the story gets like interesting is she kind of had to become like a spy within her own home oh, and wow. try to like <clears throat> take down her husband while not fully believing that he was capable of doing these things. Cause right. she like knew him for 30 years. She like loved him to death. They had like two children who were like the same ages as the girls that he assaulted. Yeah. Um, so the way I like to describe it is like a spotlight 2.0. So if you've seen the movie spotlight, yep. it's kind of like a mix between like spotlight and gone girl. Gotcha. And how did you like, I guess let's go earlier days. Like how did, what got you into writing? And then how did you stumble upon this story? Cause this story takes place where it's in Boston. It's right? in Boston. Yeah. It's, it's like a Boston story. Well, <clears throat> it's like more of like a new England story. Cause yeah. they, uh, some of the schools were like in Maine and like New Hampshire and shit. Um, but the, uh, the reason why I started writing was I've always been like obsessed with movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, even, you know, just when I was like wicked young, like I was a big, big movie guy. Yeah. Uh, I would watch two new movies every single day, like coming home from oh, school. Wow. Yeah, like every single, and I like played soccer Coming and stuff. Coming from to, where? Uh, school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. It's the best thing ever. Oh my God. But I'll say it one more time. So I would come home from school. There it is. <laughs> I love it. And I, would, I, love and I it. would watch like two new movies a day. 
um, I would like prioritize it because I like just loved it so much. Yeah. And uh, and then I watched this one movie when I was like eighteen called um, Midnight in Paris, mm-hmm. which uh, it's an awesome movie if you haven't seen it. But um, after watching it, I was like, oh Jesus, like I could do that. Like I could write a movie like that. Mm. So I just wrote like a ten page like little story sent it to my buddy. He was like, yeah, this is the worst thing I've ever read in my life. But I kind of like loved it. I got the bug. Yeah. Uh, so I was like 18, started writing, never stopped. And I wrote, technically wow. wrote my first book when I was 22, but I just kind of like did it to do it. Cause I like love doing it. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. So you stumble, your brain must just be a fascinating world, huh? Just Narnia in there. Yeah. I, I it's, it's, it's crazy in there. It's, it's, I never stopped thinking about stories. That is. And then, so this story in new England, yeah. True story. Yeah. What got you out of, okay, I'm going to watch movies and then just kind of create more just nonfiction. Yeah. Which means fake, I believe, right? Uh, no, uh, nonfiction real. is real. Fuck! <laughs> yeah. oh, I was so confident that I was like, fiction is fake, nonfiction's... <laughs> Wait, see, look at me. Just yeah, nonfiction is like real, like a real story. Nonfiction, and then not fake. Yes. Boom. There it is. Excellent. Shows yeah. you how much I've been in the library. That <laughs> yeah. is, wow. I, how did like how did you go from uh, watching movies to creating your own manifestos, if you will, to then like more investigational work? Yeah. Right? It, was this your first like story analyzing actual cases and court documents? I'm sure and. Yeah, for sure. It was it was absolutely the first time. Um, I I, th- I think like the reason why like the mesh kind of happened is like I've always been kind of obsessed with like like uh, movie private investigators. Mm. Um, I don't know why. Just like, like they're the like cr- my, murder mystery type stuff. Yeah, like exactly. crime in general. Yeah, like just in yep. general. I was always just like drawn to those kind of movies. Um, and when I heard this story, I heard. Before I heard like the full thing, I heard like the Cliff Notes version. Okay. Uh, just like a really high level overview, like a 30 second description of what happened to this woman. And I just saw an opportunity to be like, I can put on my private investigator hat and mm. I can do this while also writing a book that's that has like like a narrative story. Right. So and how did you first hear about it? I heard about it uh, through a family member okay. who had like worked with this woman back in the like in the eighties. Oh wow! And okay. uh, it was like the first like month or two of COVID or something. I was like living at home, with my mom, and uh, and then you know this, uh, and then my mom was like, "Oh, you have to hear about like the story that yep. I just heard." Uh, so she gave me like the Cliff Notes version, and I was like, "Holy shit! Like this is uh, this is nuts!" Yeah, and I kind of forgot about it until you know maybe like two years ago or something. Yep. Um, and then I was just like sitting on my thumb, like doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, I might as well just write another book. Yeah. What do I have at my disposal to write about? And I remembered that story. So I reached mm. out to her and, and oh, yeah. you, you knew the lady. I had never met her. Okay. I guess I had when I was really, really young, but like I'd never actually met her as, right. like, an, as like an adult. Um, and I got to assume by the time you reach out to her, this is probably years after all these at, at the time, allegations took yeah. place, right? It was probably like seven years after the whole thing took place. Was she a little, when you're like, hey, can I write a story about your actual life? Was she a little yeah. apprehensive? Like, how'd that conversation go? Like, a little bit apprehensive, but she, like, she had been approached before because, um, you know, when all this was going on, it was like a spotlight report. Yeah. So after the Catholic Church invest, uh, sorry, after the spotlight team investigated the Catholic Church, they investigated boarding schools. Yeah. And she was like a point of interest in this whole thing. And what what is the spotlight team? Like what? It's, well, this is in the 80s. Is that right? No. Well, so these events occurred in like the 80s and the 90s. Okay. 
Um, but in the like mid 2010s, there were so many allegations from like 20, from like 1985 to like 2015, yep. over a 30 year period, there were so many allegations. There were, in fact, there were like between two and 400 allegations like overall. Wow. For yeah, like for like a for like a decent number of boarding schools, um, she was like a. Point and what were the allegations? That there was at least one uh, recorded case of sexual assault between a member of faculty at a boarding school and a student. Mm. Um, which you know, obviously, uh, like sexual assault is an absolutely terrible thing. But the right. reason why this this was kind of like terrifying and also like interesting as well is because like boarding schools like especially back in the 80s and 90s, like the kids like couldn't leave. Right. And like they didn't have right. cell phones and stuff. Right. So they couldn't, like if something happened to them, they like couldn't really get in contact with their parents or whatever. Right. And there was also like very few ways to like record, you know, any sort of evidence or I don't know. It was just a lot harder to like prove yeah. that um, a teacher like did this, but like it happened all the time. Wow. It almost reminds me of, you ever see, um, is it 1928? What's the, uh, it's 1928, right? The uh, the Yellowstone series where oh, they're- Oh, dude, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, you have yeah. to. It, I'm hoping that's the- Yeah, I think it is 1928 because it reminds me of, they have like border school. It's a border school for Catholics mm -hmm. and it shows a lot of the like how strict the nuns are and like it's a, the they specifically focus on like an all girls boarding school. And yeah, is that right? It's 1923, 1923, yeah. excuse me. And it is, you have to watch. It's like an eight episode series. Same guy that directed Yellowstone. But what you're describing is the first couple episodes of that start out where the nuns are like insane, super yeah. strict. The kids can't leave, you know, it's mm -hmm. like a 24 hour lockdown for these kids basically. And then it shows like the abuse side that the nuns do on these kids and yeah. just horrible, you know, abuse cases. It's crazy. Um, yeah. So this spotlight team, this is what a, is this a separate investigative Bureau? Like what is the what is the spotlight team? To my knowledge, uh, so uh for context, like I reached out to them asking for help on this book and nobody helped me. Oh wow. Um and the spotlight, is that they're based in Boston? They're based in Boston. Yeah, they're wow. like a special investigative team at the Boston Globe. Okay. Um, oh gotcha. Yeah. A group I'll, of like reporters that'll go out in. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. And they only deal with like really high profile, like very special cases. Right. Um, I don't blame them for not wanting to work with me. I was like, you know, reaching out to them being like, hey, I'm writing this book. Like, do you got, can you guys give me like stuff from your report? And they were basically like, why the fuck would we do that? Is Do you like, think they were saying no to you because at the time, was this a case that was like closed or, and they didn't want to open up Pandora's box again? I think it was like kind of closed, but like the door was like ajar. You know okay. what I mean? Like, cause their Catholic church thing, you know, that was a closed case, but like, if somebody comes to them and says, I have evidence, more evidence, they'll probably want to listen to it because they, right. they poured so much of themselves into something so specific for so long that like, how could they not want to hear right. something? But they just didn't want to like help me without any credit for themselves, which right. is totally understandable. And when they kind of shut the door in your face in terms of trying to help you, where do you go next? Is that when you contact the woman directly? No. So I uh, already had the woman okay. um, kind of fully agreed to write the book and I was just going to them for like extra help. So oh, okay. she, I, basically she gave me her story, everything like from the beginning to end. 
but it was all just one perspective. Right. So I wanted to go to the Spotlight team, and there was only one guy that shut me down, was the only guy I could get his contact info for. Right, right. Um, and I told him what I was doing, but I didn't tell him who I was working with because she wants to rename anonymous. Mm, totally. Okay. Even in the book, she's not like- You changed the name and stuff. Changed the, the name. Yep. Yeah, because there, there are like lawsuits going on, right. and like she could get in trouble for this, and like I could potentially get in trouble right, for this. Right. So. Kept it all anonymous, uh, wasn't able to give them any specifics, but they were basically just like, why? Like, why would I want to like waste yeah. my time doing this? Which is, which is grand. And what did your investigative work look like? Like, what was your day-to-day? Like, now you're you're <clears throat> like, okay, I have the permission from the lady who this all happened with to, yeah. to write this book. What's like day one look like for you? Day one, so after I got her complete story, I tried to look for points in the story where I could build my knowledge that like, where kind of like, I guess... I had like little knowledge on because, right. you know, it was just her perspective. So I hired kind of like a private investigator. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was actually really funny. I There, there was this like Irish meetup event in LA where I live. And, yep. and uh, it's like only Irish people there for the most part. My but, kind of party. Now we're talking. <laughs> wow. You'd just be getting everyone to say words. All, oh, all, all man. Day. My yeah. tasty ass. I'd be <laughs> like, bring it in, everybody. Wow. Yeah. But it was, it was funny, yeah. I was just walking around, kind of like introduced myself, and I was telling people about the book that I was only then kind of getting going on. Right. And uh, and I started chatting to this woman, and she's got this like really thick Boston accent. Mm. And I'm like, ah, you I know, know you're, Yeah, it's like, you're from Boston. Like, I was born there. Like, you know, how you doing? I'm just chatting Boston and stuff. And then uh, I was like, what do you do for work? What are you living out here for? And she's like, oh, I don't live here. I'm a private investigator back in mm. Boston. And I'm like, you're fucking messing. Like, this is fate. So I hired her for like a week or something. It was not as cool as I thought it would be. Yeah. Like, this woman, like, she just kind of went out there. I gave her, like, a few names. I gave her some schools. And I was like, can you just, like, look into, um, right. look into like, sexual assault or, like, any sort of cases for these schools? She went out. She gave me, like, a compiled report of, like, 20 pages or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really just read through that. And I did that with several other private investigators that wow. I actually didn't have to hire because the woman had previously hired them to kind of, like, oh, stalk her ex-husband and all this Whoa. stuff. Yeah. What did you – do you hire a private investigator? Like, what is the cost of that? It wasn't that expensive. It was like maybe for a week. There are different tiers. Yep. Um, yeah, there are different tiers. <laughs> it's so like, like a gym membership. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want them, if you want them to do like you know heavy PI work where they're like sitting in a car like outside of someone's apartment like yep. drinking coffee for twelve hours, um, it's going to cost you. Yeah. Because you're just paying for their time. Yeah. But right. I was a little bit. I didn't have that need, so I really just kind of like gave them names and said just like find out whatever you can about these people. Yeah. Um, and then she did. And a wow. lot of that is just like, there are like specific, maybe like search and or like websites that you can go to and you kind of like search through like criminal records right, and right. all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, it wasn't expensive. I think I spent like maybe like 800 bucks. It was like mm. 800 bucks for like one week of work, but I got a ton of stuff. I was really hoping you'd give that to us in like pounds or whatever. Uh, the, uh, Euro. <laughs> yeah. the Euro. Yeah. <laughs> Shows how cultured I am. <laughs> like it was about, you know, one ton. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Well, I'll, I can give you the figure in Euro if you want. It was about 600 Euro at the time. Okay. Yeah. We're okay. We're learning. Huh. <laughs> Not bad. Sounds Not like a bad. bargain. Yeah. It was actually it was a investigator. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now. Okay. Let's go to main character, main suspect. I should say, who's the husband in this book. Yeah. Where in the book does he come in? And I know the wife was like at, at first almost like sticker shocked, like, 
this can't like these allegations against my husband like cannot be true because it's yeah. the husband who was accused of all these sexual acts. Is that right? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. And when did his name kind of come across your desk? And then when we were like, Ooh, okay, this is like, th yeah. there's some factual evidence behind. This. Yeah. So, um, here, so obviously the, the main reason why I started speaking to her was because of her husband and, and yep. what he had done. Uh, so I was kind of fully aware of the allegations and whatnot. And then I started to sort of look into, um, there was one main allegation that, uh, the like woman that I worked with, she kind of gave me this detail and uh, I was just kind of like a you know, a dog chasing after like an ice cream truck. Just like fucking, I didn't know if I was going to get everything I needed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was going after it. like. Yep. And uh, so I, you know, I don't know. I, I heard all this stuff and then I started to kind of go to town on research on him. But she was also brilliant as well because during the kind of really rocky years of their relationship, like after, like just before she found out about the allegations, um, you know, things were terrible with their relationship because mm. the interesting thing was he knew about the allegations for like a whole year right. before she did, which means that um, he knew that the FBI were after him and building oh, a case wow. against him, but he never told anyone. He just kept it all in. Interesting. Yeah, so he would act really erratically, like all this sort of stuff. And she took him to a, like a couples therapist, um, but like not like a, we're not having sex kind of thing. It was <laughs> like, my husband might be a psychopath, right, you know, right. kind of thing. Because what uh, were the, the allegations were sexual assault against the students. Yes. And this would have been high school level students. High school level students. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and multiple students or? Multiple. Multiple. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Crazy stuff. And he, you know, this guy isn't the only one. Like this, there were 67 different boarding schools with wow. a case like this. Yeah. So it's like absolutely nuts. But, uh, you know, she took him to like a couple of therapists and, you know, maybe over the course of a few sessions, um, the and this is how she told me uh the therapist was was like okay your husband um has narcissistic personality disorder mm. but like a really heavy case which essentially just means like he's he's a total sociopath yeah who right. like can't really feel um like remorse or like he doesn't really oh. like feel feelings for other people unless it like benefits himself right so you know this woman like god bless her like she is really really fucking brave for her to even just like talk about all this stuff um but yeah, she, she gave me a lot, like she gave me a lot over the years and she was kind of giving me like different milestones in a relationship where she should have noticed these red flags like build up um, to kind of prove to her that her husband was like this kind of guy. Mm. But okay, so then as soon as she got to the point where she found out that her husband really just like physically couldn't like show remorse for like any right. action like this, then... Um, <clears throat> she started to like slowly drift away from him. Mm. But the way that he works is he uses her for like emotional fuel. Um, and it's, you know, it's not like a super common thing amongst men, but like some, there are like a portion of people that like do operate like this in their lives. Right. So uh, it's really just like a power thing. And she, he started to kind of like mentally and emotionally drain her. Mm. So she would kind of have to kind of like bow down to like his every action and oh, wow. kind of like every decision that like he made, like she would just have to go along with. So right. yeah. So when she found out about these like accusations, she took her a little bit of time, but she eventually kind of like stood tall and, fucking put on her, her boots and she yep. was like, you know, I'm not taking this shit. Like I'm protecting my daughters. Mm. I don't care if you're their father. Like you are destroying our lives more than your own. Right. Uh, by doing this kind of thing. So yeah. Cause she was in total disbelief when these, who, who presented these allegations to her originally? Was it the FBI? Yeah, it was the FBI. Oh, they come to her <clears throat> and they say, Hey, 
your husband is wrapped up in a copious amount of sexual assault cases at this boarding school. And she's in like total disbelief, right? Yeah. Or to- almost doesn't even. At first, she doesn't believe it. Right. Yeah. She doesn't believe anything the FBI is saying. Yeah. At first, she doesn't believe it. Because um, they were married. How long? How long did their. How long were they married for at this time? For like 30 years, basically. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. They were together for like 30 years. Right. Yeah. You think you know a guy, you know? Yeah. And you just don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so she's totally denying these allegations. And then what was the first piece of evidence where she was starting to open her eyes to be like, wait a minute, maybe so, this isn't the guy yeah. I married. <clears throat> that's actually, that's a great question because when she got, when she got word about the allegations, um, you know, like 90 per, 90% of her didn't want to believe them and, and genuinely didn't. Okay. Uh, but like 10% of her, you know, wanted to believe them because she mm-hmm. kind of like deep down, she like knew that, you know, this stuff does happen and, right. and um, you know, it's very possible, especially because of these other 67 boarding schools that were now at this time being outed by Spotlight. And are they, these 67 other boarding schools, are they all in New England and yeah. are they all related cases? They're all in New England and not all of them are related, okay. but, um, you know, there are a ton of similarities. Like it's right, you know, one right. of these like in sexual assault encounters or whatever you want to call them, you know, all the kind of like, uh, I guess like all the details are very similar to like whatever other random one you would right. pick out of that pile. Um, right. So yeah, um, I think. Uh, sorry, where where were we? That, uh, no, you were hitting it perfect. She's now turning the corner to being like, okay, hold on, my husband who I've been married to for thirty oh, years yeah. isn't the guy I thought I knew. And yeah. who's breaking this? Is step by step? Is the FBI just continuing to like? I'm imagining like we're in the eighties. They have a big manila folder with all these like, you know, eight by 11 sheets of paper with proof. And she's slowly sifting towards that. Is that what's happening? Or is it all like he said, she said at this time, it's kind of, so when the FBI come to her, it's like, they have been building this case for one year. Uh, they've gotten, so there, nobody knows like how many uh, girls are actually where, but there were five that were coming forward. Wow. So there were five that like kind of like banded together and, and okay. were coming forward. Yep. Um, and they all had like their own testimonies. Like they didn't have much, they didn't have any evidence basically, but they right. all had their own testimonies. Uh, so the FBI were like building this case. And the reason why they came to her is because they knew that she possibly had some evidence. Mm. So they kind of came to her a little bit came late Came to the, the case. wife and the wife yeah. has some evidence. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. So the wife, like she didn't really want to believe it at first. Um, so she kind of like held off on, on talking, simply even talking to them. Yeah. Uh, but then as the case and um, her own relationship with her husband started to kind of like intensify and slowly break apart. Uh, little things started to kind of like come out of those cracks that were forming mm. in their relationship. Things that she didn't know were, you know, were actually like reality. One example, and it's a huge re- reason why uh, she ultimately decided to help the FBI <clears throat> is because he was cheating on her with his secretary. Wow. Um, he was the headmaster of the school, his secretary. Is this guy like, uh, at that point, is it like a sex addict? Uh, he, total sex addict. You know? Yeah. Narcissist, got- sex addict, idiot. Yeah, exactly. And, and all three of those things are tied into him having like an obsession for power. Um, mm. And it was, it's not just like power in like career or even just like in everyday life. It's like power over the people that are closest to him. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. It explains the, yeah, each piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Like has to have power over the students, has to have power over the secretary, has to have power over his wife. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. 
Wow. Yeah. Did the, when they were going to couples therapy, did the therapist say like, without identifying obviously what he's done, were there traits that were a little more, you know, so, not more to say normal, but traits of a narcissist that people could be like, Oh, okay. Like imagine people listening to this that might be in like rougher relationships yeah, and whose significant other fingers crossed isn't committing such a crime. But are there characteristics of a narcissist that that are easy to spot? Yeah, I'll I'll give like a couple because <clears throat> like first of all, I'm I'm absolutely not like a licensed like psychiatrist yeah. or whatever. Like <laughs> I don't want to be like telling someone something that's totally not true. But um, she the woman like shared with me like this list. Uh, it's like this checklist that you can kind of check off to see if like somebody is a narcissist or somebody's a sociopath or a psychopath. As a narcissist sitting there, that doesn't even sound like me. It's ridiculous. But that's, ironically, that's like one of the things. So um, <clears throat> like somebody being like really, really defensive and not uh, like not, I don't want to say like not showing remorse, but like somebody being really defensive and like flipping something on someone else mm. is like a huge narcissistic trait. Right. So for example, um, when this woman confronted her husband about like having these relationships with these teenage girls, mm -hmm. his first reaction was to deny what she was saying. So he basically said, that's not true. I don't know where you heard that. What's actually true is that, yeah, like I did hook up with them, but they were in their like early twenties, like a few years after I taught them oh, in high school. Jesus. And the only reason why I did it is because like you you know, you, like you were never around, like you were working mm. all the time. And so he, it's just like, it's kind of a thing like with, with narcissists and, and uh, sociopaths, like they don't take kind of accountability for um, anything negative that right. they do. And then as well as that, they tend to like emotionally feed off of uh, people that are close to them. So I, I, I don't know the best way to articulate this, but it's like if whatever they can do to keep the people close to them extra close, uh, they will do. And a lot of the time it's done through like, you know, finding like a partner who has very, very low self-esteem and kind of like keeping their self-esteem like cripplingly low yep. um, so that they kind of like depend on the narcissist. Mm. So like de they feed off like dependency and, and it kind of like emotionally like generates, like right. regenerates them. Um, so like that's why like in relationships, <clears throat> Like, it's really hard to tell if you're in a relationship with, like, a guy or a girl like this. Could, could be anyone. Yeah. Um, but, it, it like, specifically, if you're a woman and you're in a relationship with a guy who is a narcissist, like, it's probably going to be really hard to tell. Yeah. Um, but usually it's just, like, you know, there's no, I guess, like, there's no consistency in their emotions either. Yeah. It's, like an, it, it's like an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, I'm sure you know some people who've been in relationships kind of like this. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they're not going around, like assaulting like high school right, students. Right, right, But like, it's just, it is like a relatively common thing. Um, it just depends. Like there are varying degrees um, right. for how bad it can be. I'm seeing a lot of, so we have a larger female demographic and I can imagine whoever's listening to this right now in their car, at the gym, walking the dog. They're like, mm, Kyle actually acts just like that. You know, <laughs> I think we're going to, I think this episode might cause a lot of fights in relationships. I, okay? I hope not. I hope yeah, not. Kyle's but. actually pretty much known to flip the script on me a lot. <laughs> Maybe he's a narcissist. This is, 
scary stuff, you know? Yeah, it is. And like I said, I mean, it's, there are varying degrees. Like you know, sometimes like you, you do it without even knowing. Right. Um, but especially if like, you're just like a naturally defensive kind of person. Yeah. Um, but just like the main thing with people like this is just that like, if they simply cannot take accountability for anything that they right. do, no matter how destructive it is, chances are they like yeah. are a sociopath. You like can't right. really like feel those kind of feelings. You, I don't know if this is just me drunk off your Irish accent. You have an amazing way of articulating what you're oh, trying to say. Thank you, you know, like I feel yeah. like with my accent, like everything I, everything I, with my accent, with my, you know, my tone of voice, anything I say that could come off like trashy, you could say the same sentence and it'd be elegant, you know, like say, uh, say I'll take a double cheeseburger, please. I'll take a double cheeseburger, please. That is say, let's go to Walmart. Let's go to Walmart. <laughs> it sounds so <laughs> elegant, doesn't it? Oh, say I love NASCAR. I love NASCAR. That is I feel like we're at like Oxford University. <laughs> wow. Yeah, anything you say in that accent is just beautifully said. Ah, you know? Thank you. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the wife, back to the book here. Yeah. The wife it is now she is working with the FBI because the she finds out about the affair with the secretary. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, exactly. And that's like kind of like a catalyst. Mm. Um, or like, no, rather, that's like the tipping point. Okay. Uh, when she's like, you know what? This guy definitely is the guy I married. And the FBI might be correct. So I will start to work with them. That's her like thought process. Yes. Yeah. And I don't want to make it seem like the only reason why she decided to work with the FBI right. is because she was personally <clears throat> slighted. Right. But it was more so just like um, in like the way, like the timeline of the story overall, it was just like, it was building up to something like this. Like it was like, that's what, so that's why it's called death by a million paper cuts. It means mm. she was the one who said it to me. She, I asked her um, a better marriage to her husband. And the first thing she said was being married to this guy was like death by a million paper cuts. Mm. So this was her millionth paper cut. Like right. finding out that he had been cheating on her for all these years. Like that was like her final paper cut. That's when she really started to bleed. Right. You know, metaphorically, of course, right. like that's when she really started to bleed. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was more so just like, that was one millionth paper cut. Couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Let's, let's go do this. And we can leave this somewhat of a cliffhanger too, but what, like, this case is progressing through time. Mm -hmm. Does justice get served here? Is this an unsolved case? So what, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've no problem spoiling this because okay. I think, yeah, I know how, yeah, no. Yeah. Cause I think, um, the four, I don't want to say the fun and reading the story. Cause it's like such a grim story, but like, it's, it's kind of like the way it's written. I wrote it. It's kind of like gone girl. So it's okay. real, like, you know, it's real, like, um, kind of like thrilling and shit. Right, there's like a turn right. at every corner and it's also like a bad bitch protagonist mm. like who's fucking gonna kick ass. Like love a good bad girls bitch. like love this story because yeah. like it's so relatable and like it's not like they're, yeah, they're my words because I wrote it but it's it's like, it's this woman's like real life so right. I, I was just doing her due diligence. Um, but, sorry, what was your question? Again? The, as the up. case is, that was see, beautifully said, yeah. you're on fire. Uh, <laughs> as the case is progressing, Right. Does justice come to light here or is this a, is this a, I guess it's still a sad ending, obviously, yeah. but is this a, does this man just get away with these crimes? Unfortunately he does. Really? Yeah. And that's, what's really fucked up about it too. But that's why like people get really fired up reading it is because it is a true story. Right. He gets away with it and he gets away with it because of the boarding schools. Like they protected him. Oh, and they sent him to another boarding school in South America. So he's really? still teaching kids and shit. I don't Holy know if he's, hell. yeah, I don't know if he's like 
you know, hooking up with kids anymore. I don't right. think he did that even like later on in his years, which right. is like slightly earlier on in his uh, career as like a like an educator. Right. But uh, yeah, he got away with it. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, and most of these guys did. Most of these guys in the Spotlight Report like got away with it. Really? Unless, unless they were specifically mentioned in the Spotlight Report, the p- person who did these things or people who did these things like probably got away with it. And why is that? Because the from the boarding school perspective, if this gets out, the, no one's going to want to go to that boarding school anymore. Yeah. It's a, it's a bad look for the boarding right. school and you know, yeah, that's, you basically hit the nail on the head. Like it's it just, that's crazy to me. Cause you would just think like whoever's making, whether that's the Dean of students or the president, whoever's making those calls, like, like where is like the moral boundary there from like a, okay, if this story comes out, yes, we might not profit anymore as a school, you yeah. know, but like this guy would, you know, get what's coming to them. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah that's and, crazy. Yeah, and there definitely are like a ton of good people at boarding schools. Like I, to research this book, like I spoke with so many like kids who went to boarding mm. schools. A lot of them had like kind of fucked up stories. Really? Um, yeah, like really surprisingly. But a lot of them had like an amazing experience at boarding yeah. school. Yeah, it's definitely not everywhere. Um, but just like if you contain everything to this like one spotlight report, of course everything's going to be like really grim and like right. miserable and horrible. Um, if you contain everything to these schools that the spotlight report was about, and if you go even deeper to the shit that like wasn't uncovered because they didn't have the evidence to uncover it, right? You know, there is a little bit of subjectivity to it. Just like my story, it's like slightly subjective because it's from one person's perspective. Right, right. But you have to think like, why would somebody make this up? And second of all, how could so many people be involved? Yeah. Um, and have this be like a fake thing? So, how's the wife feel like coming to present day? Is she just like, I assume at the time she was, did this go to trial at all or no trial at all? I don't think it ever ultimately went to trial. There were definitely wow. lawsuits and there are definitely still some things going on with like a ton of these cases. Like yeah. not just like the one that this book is about. Um, but uh, yeah, it never went to trial. I, I don't wow. think. Yeah. yeah. Is she irate? Like what, did you ever follow up with her? kind of post writing this book. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, <clears throat> what was that like? Yeah. She, um, she's like an absolutely unbelievable woman. Like, mm-hmm. uh, she was so game to write this book. She, if you, if you can believe it, like she wouldn't like slander his name unnecessarily when we were speaking. So really? she would just give me the facts. Wow. Like, yeah. And she wouldn't be like, yeah, like this fucking piece of shit. Like, yeah, he wouldn't even like go out and like buy us like takeout when, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, right. Like he, you know, she never like slandered his name. She only gave me the facts, which I really, really respect about it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, even to this day, like she's just trying to like get on with her life and like be a mother. Right. Um, of course, she's a mother of two, two. Yeah. And of course she's going to be, you know, uh, pissed off, like here and there, like they're going to be bad days, but for the most part, she's just trying to be optimistic and like get on with her life. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's insane. Where it's on Amazon. Yeah. Is that right? Do you have a website as well where this book is sold? No, I do not. So for now, it's just on Amazon. Okay. Um, it's just on Amazon. I think in the next like two months, I will have released a like a true crime podcast series based mm, on it as well. Here we go. Yeah. So there'll be there'll be some like audio version of it too. Nice. Um, yeah. And that's that's the plan. But for now, it's just the book, and it's just on Amazon. And you're a busy dude, from my understanding. You have the book out. Yeah. But then you're also going a little different direction here, back to your childhood dreams, right? Back to the movie industry. Exactly. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about that. What's happening in that that scope? Yeah, I recently, um, so in the last like two years, myself, my buddy, Connor Hallway, who's also from Boston, he owns a production company called Golden Deer Productions. 
Um, oh, Golden Deer. Why do I? He sent me a shirt before. Yeah, I've seen you wear it. I should have uh, worn it today. I have that shirt. Oh, I should have let you know. I yeah. told, wow. If I put that together, I have that. It's, you know, all oh, guys have a t-shirt drawer. Yeah. That shirt is sitting right. right. I can see it right now. Blue shirt. It's in gold. The writing. Yeah. Yeah. He's so he's. Holy <clears> hell. Yeah. He's like my like business partner and one of my great buddies out in LA. Uh, but we met in Boston. Yeah. Um, and like two years ago, uh, he and I wrote like this massive fe- feature length script. Basically, it's like a it's like a dragons movie, mm. um, but it's like really unique. It's kind of like a comedy. Dragon Ball Z or more like. Um, what was the ice wall? Game of Thrones. Kind of more like Game of Thrones. Okay, it's like medieval. Here we go. Yeah, it's like medieval comedy. It's like really stupid humor. Yeah. Um, but it's like also like a really like genuine um, like action thriller Ooh. as well. Like there's a lot ton of action. Like every single scene, there's something going oh, on. Let's go. Traditionally, it would be a really high budget film, but it's really exciting because we're starting to work on it right now. Oh hell um, yeah. Yep. We're like currently going through a stage of funding. We're using Kickstarter to. I think get 60K to do like a 15 minute uh, film version of this. And then from that, we're going to try to expand into this like two, two and a half hour long uh, kind of like mammoth uh, dragons film. It's going to be awesome. Do you need any voiceovers for dragons per chance? I don't know if you Uh, heard my dragon impression. Can I hear it now? Because we actually do. This is a dragon flying into battle against other dragons. Okay. (laughs) Your thoughts there. (laughs) Can uh, I get a roll, do you think? A cameo? Connor, we're going to have to talk to Kevin. Think it over, uh, Connor. This movie. You know, imagine yeah. that. Imagine in-flight big dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Could be great. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's way better than I thought. I'm here, you know? So. Yeah. It's wicked, yeah, it's wicked exciting. It's, um, it's it, like, the story is just so funny. It's, like, people are, it's something people are going to be, like, really entertained with. It's not going to yeah. be, like, you sit down and you're, like, locked in watching, like, Gladiator. Yeah. Which is, like, an right, awesome right. movie. But it's, you know, you leave that film and you, like, want to cry. Yes. The ending's so sad. Yes. And, like, this is, like, you know, medieval time, comedy. Like, you're going to leave that cinema, like, oh, laughing your ass go. off. Yeah. I could get stuck. I'm almost hoping there's, like, a, like, imagine if I got, I had a huge Lord of the Rings craze, like, as a kid, as those, mm. like, trilogies came out. And then just recently, I got back in Lord of the Rings, heavy. Like, yeah. if I could be orc number 308, I would have been pumped. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Just, like, in the crowd, chanting. <laughs> would have been through the roof, you know? Yeah. But if there's, like, a, oh, man, any movie or, like, like if there's, like, a, like a dragon show almost. Yeah. I'd watch 10. Se- I'd w- if Yellowstone could, you know, potentially do 10 seasons of that, like they did with Yellowstone. Yep. You'd have a day one subscriber right here. You know, <laughs> yeah, that stuff gets me going. Yeah. That's exciting, man. Wow. What's the production side of that look like? Like is a lot of it. So he, your partner in this Connor, right? Yep. Connor. He is out in LA mm-hmm. and to shoot something like this. Do you rely on like, do you go big network? Like, do you go to like Warner Brothers Studios, or is this something you can produce? Like, potentially, like maybe a room a little bigger than this with like green screens and lighting and stuff like that. Yeah, we're we're gonna produce this independently. Wow, um, let's go. Yeah, so it's like really ambitious. Like, whoever is listening to this, and if they work in film, they're gonna be like, "There's no fucking way." Yeah, yeah, you're gonna be able to get that done. Um, but we have a lot at our disposal. So one of the um consultants on our project is the guy who made House of Dragon. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then we uh, one of our other consultants is like the dude who wrote Kung Fu Panda. No way. Um, yeah. So like we we have like really good people in our corner. Yeah. They're not necessarily like 
boots on the ground, like operating with us like every day, but they're telling us what we have to do. Right. Um, as well as that, uh, we have a fantastic director who also does like VFX work himself. Mm. Um, and he's a dude from Puerto Rico, his name's Alex. He's a fantastic director. Um, he has hooked us up, and Connor too, has hooked us up with like a dragon animator in Spain. Oh, wow. Who's doing it for really cheap, and he's currently working on the dragons, and they look pretty fucking awesome. Um, they look pretty cool. Uh, so, like, we're a you're able to do these things for cheap. You just need to have, like, the will. Yeah, and to the do right it. partners. Yeah, and the right partners. Yep. So, we're all doing our part. Like, I wrote, wrote it, so it's, you know, the screenplay is, like, put in place, and now I'm kind of just, like producing in the sense that um, whatever Connor needs done that he can't physically do himself. And gotcha. if I have the free time, I will go do it. Gotcha. Wow. And do you guys do work on this full time? Uh, on the production side? No, well, so Connor's definitely working on this full time. Yeah. I'm kind of like stepping into working into it full time. Okay. Uh, writing definitely is a full time Yeah, thing. I can only imagine how time consuming that is. Very time consuming. But I wrote, I finished the script like months ago. So yeah. I've had like a bunch of time to like work on other stuff. Okay. Um, which is great. But now that uh, production is kind of, you know, it's, it's coming up soon. It's probably going to really start happening in July. Right. Um, we are definitely going to be like boots on the ground, like working yeah. on this like every day. What's timeline look like? Like from, let's say you started filming in July. How soon does this motion picture actually come to life? Yeah, great question. I think it'll take us like a week to shoot. No way, um, that fast? It's only going to be like a 15 minute. Oh, right, uh, right, right. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, because gotcha. we're doing, it's called like a proof concept. Yep. And then from there, you know, we show that to people and if they're like, we like this, right. here's $10 million to make like the, the two and a half hour one. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's the goal. Yep. Um, and this is how like a lot of people get their films made yeah. uh, anywhere. Um, yeah, it'll be like a week of filming, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we will either be shooting it in Boston <clears throat> or Puerto Rico because the director's Whoa. from Puerto Rico. Okay, yeah. Um, it all just depends where we can get the best like deals on things. Right, right. Uh, and then after that, it's really just up to like our um, post production team how they can how quick they can like you know, uh, like edit this so that everything looks like convincing. Right. Because like working with dragons on like a low budget scale is like kind of hard. Like it can look really stupid. They're real dicks. Let me tell you, those dragons <laughs> difficult to work with. Am I right? Yeah. Well, oh. we, we don't want it to look like Sharknado. Like we want it yeah. to like looks like, you know, as close as we can to like a really professional looking right. thing. So maybe big night can hook it up. Maybe dragons fly into the grand, <laughs> you know, it's one thirty AM dragons. Just <laughs> <laughs> DJ Hurley's DJing. We might be able to get the budget down in Boston here over yeah. Puerto Rico, right? We could probably hook it up. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds awesome. 16 venues? 21 venues with Big Night? A lot of spots. A lot of options for dragons to invade, party, whatever they want to do. You know? Lovely. That yeah. is. Wow. That's incredible, man. Well, I'm excited. You were literally the first, first author we've ever had on the show. First, I guess Charles, Charles has been on here before. So technically we've had a production-ish oh, yeah. guy in here. You know, mm -hmm. shout out Charles. Okay. But yeah, first author of the show. This is like, for us, this is groundbreaking stuff. Love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And keep, you know, hey, if you need a dragon, dragon number four, you let me know. Dragon right? number one. Oh, Kevin. here, you heard it here How first. How could we put you down to number four? <laughs> oh, 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 dragon number one <laughs> in theaters potentially soon, hopefully coming to a theater near you. Am I right? Hell yeah. Where can everyone find you? Let's plug you up on all your socials. The book one more time, Death by a Million Paper Cuts. Yeah, so it's really just uh, Instagram. I don't yep. really use like much else, but my Instagram is done, D-U-N-E, D-U-N-N-E, period, Killian, C-I-L-L-I-A-N. 
It is the most Irish thing I've ever yeah. heard. It's incredible. Dundalk Killian. The accent is phenomenal. You know, this is great. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. I know you have a flight to catch. Yes, sir. Till next thank time, you. ladies and gentlemen, this is Noah Podcast. Hugs and kisses. I love you.